Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest, Carrie Gard. Carrie is the COO of MKG Marketing, a digital marketing agency that helps tech and healthcare brands be found online through transparent, measurable digital marketing. There, she has grown the agency into a powerhouse through her driving philosophy that a work-life balance is far more than just a pretty idea and is instead something that can be achieved systematically and efficiently in a way that keeps employees and clients accountable. So today in this conversation, Carrie and I are talking about just that. How do you create a business that has boundaries for the employees so that way they feel like work is not overrunning their life, but you still feel like you're getting everything you need out of that employee? and out of your entire team. We're discussing how you can have a people-first philosophy that helps grow your business, retains your employees, and keeps everybody happy, and even helps create the boundaries so you stop working all hours of the day. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good to meet you, Jamie. Yes. Can you kick us off, Carrie, with telling us about yourself and your business? So I've been in advertising now for 15 years. I don't do the math. But I started in New York City where I worked at a couple agencies, uh, the bigger ones, University of Camp, Publicis Modem. And then I met my husband who was living in Seattle and I moved out to be with him worked at a few other agencies in digital marketing and ended up being my business partner. And we started MKG almost 10 years ago to the day. So July something, July 26th, I believe. Congratulations. 10 year anniversary. I know it's crazy how time flies. And uh, we started the agency because we were working on all these big brands and they all wanted to know how their business did in running all this money for them. And we couldn't tell them because of either they didn't have the necessary analytics set up or they sold their products in a store. So we weren't able to measure that end to end. And so we said, let's see if we can do our own thing here and, and go after clients where we really can measure that and make it an impact for them against their bottom line. So that's why we got started. And then it evolved over the years as we started hiring. Our very first employee was a father to a little girl and we were working crazy hours and we were like we can't do this to our employee like he's got to have a life because he's got a family and well we're not there yet someday we will be we should that should matter 
And as we continue to expand and hire, more parents joined us, more people who were looking for that work-life balance. And so people first really became the heart of who we are because of that, because people really are seeking that ideal of living to work rather than working to live. And so it's become my personal mission to bring people first to as many people as possible, whether that's through my organization and hiring and the clients we come in contact with and our partners to getting on podcasts and talking about it to I am writing a book. It's in the works. It will be published someday. <laughs> All right. Just, just any way to, to get the message out there that, you know, the churn and burn life for people and employees is just not sustainable. Right. And I love what you said in the, like, the journey you went through because you realized that people needed this balance and needed to, they had this life outside of work because they had families and everything before you had a family yourself. I feel like for many people, it's kind of that wake up call afterwards when they feel like they're missing out. They're like, oh, this is what everyone talks about. Now I need to do something about it because I want it where you identified it before it was you. You identified it in your employee and wanted to create that, that great opportunity for your employee to work and enjoy his family at the same time before you personally needed it. I, I did work at other agencies, and yes, before I had a family still, I, but in the agencies I was working at and just the advertising culture and world in general, it is very much that churn and burn and you work 10, 12 hour days and you don't feel appreciated and you feel very replaceable. And the more I thought about growing and what we wanted to be, I didn't want to be that. And so seeing an employee struggle initially right out of the gate was really helpful to say, okay, we need to establish these boundaries now and not wait. Cause we've both lived, my business partner and I both lived it. And then to see our first employee live it, we were like, nope, not going to do it. Yeah, great. Yeah, so what type of steps did you start taking to transition to that business that you're like, okay, we need to become this business? Because I'm sure it's one of those things you couldn't just like flip a switch overnight because you had clients used to things. You guys were just in habits. So tell me about this journey. The first thing we did was, <laughs> so we read an email, all of us, all three of us read an email at like 10 o'clock at night from a client who the entire part of the bit, the organization that they were in was, was laid off. It was like, wow. a ridiculous, it was a crazy amount. It was like 50 plus people were laid off literally overnight and they were all the direct clients that we worked with. And so the business just vanished overnight. Wow. And so we were, we got up the next morning after none of us slept because there's nothing like reading that email at 10 o'clock at night and looked at each other and said, and we were remote at the time and we were still remote to this day, but we were remote from the beginning. And so we're, you know, over a video chat, looking at each other going, we can never read emails <laughs> before bed ever again. So new rule, no emails after eight o'clock and even better no client emails after business hours. Let's just get that in place right now so that we know we're not going to go to bed with this hanging over our heads 
ever again. And so that really kicked off this notion of needing that work-life balance immediately. And that was, and that, and that value still lives to this day. I still have that policy. I still let everybody know that if they send an email after business hours, their time, I will politely let them know one-on-one. And then I will call it out at a company meeting with everybody there, (laughs) call them out. So everybody takes it very seriously that we do not send emails after business hours. And then we just developed policies as we went when, you know, we were very much and still are to some extent, a um, learn by doing. So making a mistake and then putting a policy in place to negate that in the future. I never want to have too much policy. I don't want to ever be weighed down by trying to think ahead of all the possible things that might happen. So let's put a policy in place just in case. It does mean we have mistakes and we certainly put our foot in it sometimes. But then we create that, we learn from it, we put that policy in place, and then we negate it in the future. So we did a lot of that, honestly, throughout our our trial and just figuring out, you know, what policies did we need so that people could find that work-life balance. We had a policy, my husband was working at Netflix at the time, and they had this vacation policy of unlimited, take as many vacation days as you want. And I was like, that sounds cool. Like, all we care about is output. Let's do the same. And then nobody took vacation. It was like, well, that's not very people first. So let's do 20 days, use it or lose it. So I want people to take vacation. I want people to take a break and come back refreshed. So 20 days, use it or lose it. And, uh, and people now take vacation and their managers ensure that people take vacation because we put that policy in place. So very much, you know, sticking to our core values of who we are, figuring out what wasn't working and then putting the right policies in place to help it um, get there over time. To your point, didn't happen overnight. Right. You know, it's, there's so many things I want to like dig into around that. The first thing is about the vacation. Yeah. You look at the studies and it's like the only thing on limited vacation works for is the businesses, typically their bottom line, because they don't have to worry about tracking the vacation accrual. And you're right. People don't take it. So then they're like, okay, we still got all this productivity going, all these people working. What they don't realize is productivity tends to go down when people don't take a break and they need that mental, mental uh, time to recharge. So you want your employees to take vacation, like restricting your employees on vacation is never a good thing where people are like, uh, my husband worked for a company that when they gave employees five day vacation, only five days of vacation per year. And their holiday schedule was so limited that by the time he took off all the rest of the holidays that I had off, he had like one vacation day left for the entire year. And we're like, this doesn't work. No, that's, that definitely does not work. I mean, I find people you just about use the 20 days. Plus we do all of the, the national holidays and we give off between Christmas and New Year's. We try and follow the school schedule. We have a lot of parents. And so we just figured let's just follow the school schedule. The, the whole company gets to benefit even if they don't have kids and just, you know, roll that way. Right. Yeah. I love that. The other thing is when you talked about like setting policies, I'm in a HR mastermind group and, you know, a lot of the other women who are in that group, they are all like the ones helping to set like, you know, the companies with the policies and dealing with all that where I'm like, nope, I'm just on the hiring side. So, oh, I don't deal a lot of the policies. So I remember asking them because I am getting ready to hire my first employee. Uh, She starts next week from when we're recording this episode. By the time it goes live, she'll be here for a few 
few weeks. And I was like, okay, well, what policies do I really need in place beforehand? And they're like, hold on. They're like, don't rush into things. A lot of times you create policies because you think you need the policy. And then you're like, you kind of like restrict yourself. So they're like, Mm -hmm. the the better thing is, yeah, there's some basic things you want in place. Like start thinking of the things like vacation, your holiday schedule, those basic things that it doesn't really matter. The other thing is sometimes it's better to create the policies because you need to create the policies because you realize you need it, that something's missing or that something happened. And you're like, oh, I don't want that happening again. Um, let's create the policy around it. So that's such a great philosophy of like, let's not create things until we need to create it. Yeah, you get so bogged down otherwise, and then it's really hard to pivot. And and then you realize you put a policy in place and taking policy away is really hard because it removes trust. It's like giving benefits and then taking benefits away. You're going to you're going to diminish the trust between you and your employees if you create that policy or give that benefit without the right amount of thought and, and research behind it and then taking those things away because you overestimated or you didn't think it through, that you just lose that trust and, and the trust is the foundation of everything that you're doing, especially around you know employees and retention. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then, okay. There was something else that you had mentioned that I absolutely love that you guys set that boundary about email. And to me, sometimes that'd be really hard because I can tend to be a night owl at times. I'll even admit last night I was up until midnight just because I was like, let me finish these things. But I've gotten into a good habit now that for the most part, if I'm going to be sending an email after that time, I schedule it to go out first thing in the morning. So no one has to know that I'm working and catching up on things. So that way it's not hitting other people's inboxes. They're like, oh, Jamie's working. Let me send things back. Or they expect that I'm going to be working after hours. I haven't been so good about it this past two weeks, but I've been trying to put like those really good boundaries around all that. But the thing is like, when I was hiring my employee and talking to her about, okay, like here are some of the things to expect when you're coming in. Like two of the things that that I did was one, um, with my employee, I'm giving her a cell phone allowance or uh, so, cause I'm like, okay, you're probably, you're not at the point yet where I'm gonna, cause she's part-time, I'm not gonna be providing you a phone or anything like that. We don't have an office to come into. So you're probably gonna use your own phone. But I was like, very clear, I was like, I don't expect you or want you to put business apps on your phone. This is because occasionally you might have to call someone on the company's behalf, or we might have to get on the phone and talk or send a text back and Mm -hmm. forth or something. So I was like, I want to pay you for that portion that you're going to use it for business. I was like, once again, I don't want you putting email on your phone. There is going to be no reason for you to have email on your phone. If there's something that I need to get in touch with you about, that's more of an emergency. Guess what? I could call you or text you and let you know, like, Hey, can you help me with this? Like, and then even, you know, providing her a computer. I know like there's a lot of businesses lately that are like, Oh, it's part-time. I'm not going to provide them a computer or that sort of equipment. And I was like, no, I want that separation. I want it to be like now, I'm not going to get mad if they decide to go and like browse for shopping and stuff on their computer. I provide them. But when it comes to things, I want it to be, give them the option where when they're done working, they can completely shut that down. And it's not like they're working on their personal computer where then it's like, oh, I'm doing this at the same time. Like I see work pop up. It was like, I want to be able to give them that separation where it's like work is work. You close it down, go enjoy your life. Yes, we did the same. We used to have a policy where we did contract to hire. 
And so we didn't actually full-time hire someone until after three months. We have a similar policy now where it's a trial period. And the reason why we had to go to a trial period is because I was still hiring them full-time. I wanted to provide them holidays paid at least like the normal holidays. I didn't want them to have to think about taxes. Gross. And I really wanted to give them a computer as well for the same reasons you you're saying Jamie also because we're a business and we have to think about privacy and security and we have work with a lot of clients where that matters so it really did help to create that separation for all of those reasons and the minute you give an employee a computer they are considered an employee so i just made the switch to do a trial rather than rather than do a contract to hire situation and it's it makes them feel more connected as well, I think, rather than feeling like a contractor when they have the right equipment, when they know that they're on payroll, you know, again, it comes back to that building trust. If you want this person to be with you for a long, for the long haul, you know, creating those, those foundational elements out of the gate really helps establish that immediately. Yeah. And, you know, just for those listening, just to kind of like talk a little bit more about the, the thing for contract to hire, because I know there's a lot of companies that like, oh, I'll do that because, you know, kind of like for that trial period thing. And one thing I always say is like, well, you have to remember when they're a contractor, they're a contractor, they're not an employee, which means you're limited on your ability to train them. You can onboard them, but you can't train them because the IRS here in the US is like, oh, mm-hmm. training, that makes them an employee. Yep. You, you can't control when and where and how they work. Like you're pretty, uh, when you hire a contractor, you're hiring a business, even if it's a business of one. So you're limited. So when people are like, I'm going to hire a contractor to test things out and then on a trial basis and then bring them in as an employee, it's like, you're really not going to get the full feel of things because working with a contractor is completely different than working with an employee and you can't treat the relationship the same. Like there's so many things that are different that if you're doing it right, you're not going to get what you need out of that contracting period. And their mental, the way that people think about contracting versus being a full-time employee is totally different as well. There's a little bit more security in having them as a full-time employee versus a contractor, right? Because you do have to go through the effort of onboarding them into all of your systems versus a contractor. I will say we do defer all of our benefits so that there's at least, because once you put an employee into your benefits, then it is much harder to detangle that. So I do defer benefits, which isn't a big deal. It's just right in your system. You just let your healthcare provider know you want to defer them for 90 days and it's no big deal. It, but it does create just that little level of security for your employee. And they do want to put their heart and soul into it a little bit more than being a contractor and thinking they have more flexibility and the hours are the hours they want to put in. And there isn't that accountability piece that right. is so important when you're trying to figure out if there's a right fit here. Right. Exactly. Okay. So let's move on and talk about keeping people engaged or more so the thing I want to talk about is keeping people accountable. Cause a lot of people fear, this is their biggest fear when it's like, okay, if I'm going to give people the opportunity to have that, like, you know, be focused on their family and really limit, you know, limit the workday, they're going to give me less, which means 
they're especially in a remote environment they like how do i make sure that they're actually engaged in their work and completing the work that they need to be doing and of course i think that's a, it's almost laughable and i see you often too like okay these are all silly fears but these are what people actually fear mm -hmm. and it's like they think that once they create this balance, once they put have a people first philosophy that people are going to take advantage of them. So what, what do you have to say around that? I mean, people could take advantage in any situation. And I always like to say it's a two way street. So with flexibility comes accountability, right? And if you, if you didn't have people first, then you're going to end up with people who either work really hard because they're working for themselves at that point, And they want to do a good job for them and not for a bigger cause. And then they're gonna leave in about two years. I don't know for all industries, but for advertising and marketing, generally people stay at agencies and, and as marketers within an organization for tops two years. And so there's a ton of turnover that you're gonna have. Yep. So you're gonna get those people who work really hard and then get out. Or you're gonna have the people who are gonna put in the bare minimum because they're going to want to just make sure that they're checking the boxes and then getting out at the end of the day because they don't feel valued and they don't feel heard and they don't feel like they have that work-life balance. So they got to go create it themselves. And so they, they put in the bare minimum that they have to. You're going to have people, no matter what policies you put in place, either take advantage or work really hard. There's, there's no way around it. I think the benefit of people first and creating a company that people really want to be at, then there's a balance between the two. People work hard within the hours they have to, and then they go home and relax and be with their family. And the people who put in bare minimum haven't really seen it happen because they really want to be part of what we're doing. And that's not to say they're not people and life doesn't happen and things get hard. And so their productivity might slip a bit because they have things at home happening that they have to take care of or that's taking up brain space that certainly happens and you can see that ebb and flow but that's not what matters is the overall picture and so we do a couple things in terms of measuring accountability one is we use asana a project management system for everything if it's not an asana chances are it's not going to happen it's also how we figure out accounting for clients so it has to happen in asana if we're going to build and the nice thing about Asana is it tracks everything. If you move a task, if you take points off of a task, if you, um, if you add time or take time away, all of that's tracked in Asana. And so it's very easy for us to look at productivity across the board and say, there's a trend here of somebody's productivity going down. Let's go figure out what's happening and go have a conversation with that person and see if they're okay. And then there's times it goes way up and we're like, okay, clearly somebody's overloaded. Like what's going on? Why are they working so hard? Let's go have a conversation and see how we can smooth out their, um, their productivity. But for some people it's really high. Cause they're like, oh, I'm just doing a lot of coaching stuff. I'm just working on me. And I'm like, okay, that's cool too. Like, that's fine. If that's, if you know, that's how you want to spend some extra time beyond your, your billable hours. That's great. Like I'm not going to deter you from that or take that away if that's where you, your heart and your passion is. So being able to track it is really important. I'm not saying that you necessarily want to go for the hourly systems where you literally have everybody track every minute of every day in which they are working. I don't believe in time tracking. I think it's, I think it's all made up. 
having made it up myself in the past. I just think people don't have the capacity to do all their work and remember what they worked on and to track the time in it and to figure out what client it was against and, 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 and. So I'm not saying that you necessarily have to go time tracking. I actually really think you shouldn't go time tracking, find a different system. And Asana will t does tell us in terms of um, just how people are in terms of productivity and moving things around and how much they're getting done. The other thing we do that we just started doing this year that's been so helpful is I, my mom's a teacher and I have friends who are teachers and they talk a lot about rubrics. So instead of grading kids A through F, gross, um, they have a whole grid system that is things that they're keeping in mind of how kids should, what kids should be getting done and how they're getting it done. Not necessarily in like, they did their homework and they uh, completed this quiz or whatever. It's more, you know, where they should be uh, given their age and what they're learning in class from a high level. And I sat down and I was talking to my teacher friends. I was like, tell me more about rubrics. Like, what is this thing? And then my kids, my kids are rubrics now. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. It's just insane what they're being, you know, not graded on, but just to understand where they are in their learning process. And it's against, it's, they're not being compared to anybody. It's just where they are. And it's amazing. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this thing. So I created rubrics by each service line. We have our values at the top. So how are you in terms of our values? Are you, do you not get them at all? Are you sort of getting it? Are you, you, you got it and you exceed expectations on it. And then the critical thinking, right? So many times we want people to be actually think ahead a bit and think for themselves and not rely so much on the people around them. We want them to problem solve. So we have a, you know, a line for that. And then against your service line, what are the things you found fundamentally need to be doing on a regular basis and how are you against those? So helpful just to know where people are. So when you're talking about training, Jamie, like figuring out how to bring people up rather than just being like, your productivity is not working and clearly they're not a fit here. It's like, well, why aren't they a fit? Is they not a fit because they don't know how to do something or are they not a fix? They don't have the right values or mindset. You can clearly then see that versus just writing them off or being frustrated. Right. Yeah. Like I, I love that. And it's like, okay, especially for when you're building, excuse me, your early team, one of the things that, you know, for you who are listening that you'll, you'll realize, and I talk about this all the time is you won't train people on things because you won't realize that you need to train people on things. And cause it's just second nature to you. So with Carrie, like what you're describing, like that's your opportunity to see, oh, I didn't actually train the person on this. I need to do better and not putting it all on them. One, but one of the things that you said that I want to circle back to, because I believe you had a little bit more to say on that and I cut you off, but when you said when someone's not performing or like the numbers are dipping, that what you said is what you go and ask them is, are they okay? You go to find out, are they okay? You didn't say, we're going to go in and dive in and find out why they're not performing and you know go on this performance improvement plan and stuff like that. Your first thing was, are they okay? Understanding that. There's things that impact people that might impact performance. And you did mention this a little bit, like it could just be one of those things where you have like a overload of things from the outside world. Okay, it's a week, then we're gonna get back up onto that good thing. But checking that whole thing first of, are your people okay? Versus why are your people maliciously doing something that's hurting your business is such a great philosophy to have. 
Part of our values of people first is what's called MRI, most respectable interpretation. And I got this from my mentor two years ago and it was a game changer for me of not taking things personally and thinking about where the action or the thing somebody said or whatever is coming from, who it's coming from and why it might be coming from there. So if one of our employees is super snappy one day when normally they're not, taking the most respectful interpretation of that and going back and looking at, you know, some of the comments they're making in chat to say, okay, their kids didn't sleep last night. They're clearly having a rough day. Like, let me get on the phone with them and see how I can support them and, and give them a little bit of breathing room today so that they can relax and get back on track tomorrow rather than just being, you know, frustrated by the fact that, they're being snappy with everybody and what's their problem and why are they reacting to everybody this way and how rude, right? Right, exactly. And it's one of those things like, sometimes we have this philosophy and I think it's like driven from the corporate mindset of Mm -hmm. you're supposed to come into work and then just leave everything at the door. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's never gonna happen. Like you can't physically shut off a part of your life just because you walk into work. They bleed over all the time. But then like sometimes these same businesses that want you to leave your personal life at the door, they're like, oh yeah, I sent you an email at 10 o'clock at night. Why didn't you get it? You know, blah, blah, blah. I need you to jump on the And it's like, they don't have respect for the boundaries one way, but they want a complete wall the other way. Yeah. Especially when you're working remote, there is no, there is no wall. There is no leaving it. Um, I mean, I think there's good transition moments that are important just so that you you can get some space rather than doing what we do, Jamie, which is, uh, you know, check email before bed and then, you know, try and sleep. That really nice. productive, right? So even working from home, you should still find a space that you call your work zone, whether that's in an office or in a bedroom, I'm in my bedroom right now, or downstairs at a, at a dining room table, wherever it is, to have your work zone, to close your computer at the end of it, and to walk away and go decompress somehow. Go for a walk, have a cup of coffee with a friend. Uh, if it's nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, like it is for me sometimes, I go watch TV and then I you know, go to the next thing, um, whether that's getting ready for bed or having dinner or whatever have you. But I do think it's important to you know, find those times to decompress between things. It doesn't mean your brain's gonna shut off or you're absolutely going to leave it at your workstation, but at least you're making an effort to transition from one thing to another. Right. Yes, exactly. So a question I have about like uh, your employees and everything. So are they pretty much working on like all on a nine to five schedule or have you guys built some flexibility in there understanding that, you know, everyone has different things going on and different needs? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we are in six time zones, um, four across the US and I'm in the, I'm in the UK. So we have six time zones and for the US, for people in the US, it's really whatever works for them. As long as they can work a few hours overlapped with the rest of their team. And it's important for that so that you can problem solve together. If you have client meetings, those sort of things. I do think it's important to set clear hours. If you try and change your hours every day, then you can't plan around that. And that makes it really hard for your managers to figure out, you know, if you have client meetings or if you have to internal meetings that you need to have on a regular basis, you really do need set hours. I don't care what those hours are. 
as long as it sort of follows those guidelines. And so we have people who work nine to five um, in their time zone. So East Coast, um, Central and Mountain and um, West Coast. And we also have people who work out of their time zones. We have somebody in the Central working on the West Coast time zone. We have somebody on the West Coast time zone, goodness, pretty much working my time zone. He gets on at 1230 my time, which is like 430 AM his time because he's got a kid and she basically wakes up around then. So he plays with her, gets her situated and then gets to work. And then he gets the rest of the afternoon off with his kids. Great. So yeah, so there is, there is flexibility again with guidelines, with that accountability piece, having some policy around it to make it. So you're not fighting an uphill battle on a regular basis because there's too much flexibility and people aren't able to work together when they need to. Yes. I love that. And that is like some of the things like, um, you know, my employee starts next week. I told her, okay, we're going to go and set her schedule. She's only starting at 10 hours a week at first. And I was like, okay, for some of that, there needs to be overlap when I'm working. So that way we have the time where we can meet, especially at the beginning, there might need to be a little bit more overlap for training and stuff like that. But after that, after that training period, there'll be a little bit more flexibility in the schedule. As long as we have that, what we decide is what, what the overlap we need. Outside of that, I told her flexibility, but I would prefer a consistent schedule. So it means doesn't need to be during the nine to five hours, but I still need to know when she's working, not because I want to watch the clock and make sure she's working, but if I need to get something to her before Mm -hmm. she could do her job, those handoffs, I need to know what is, what is my deadline? If she's going to be working on a Tuesday it's completely different if she's going to be working on a Monday to do her work because the fact that, yeah, then I don't need to focus on a Monday. I can do something else if it comes up on Monday. I just need to make sure it's in her inbox by the time she starts on Tuesday. Yep. Yep. You need to create that accountability piece and an agreement, right? It's that two-way street. We're, we're setting up an agreement ahead of time to know that this is roughly what we want to do. Does that mean it's not going to change? Of course it's going to change. Does that mean it, it has to be this way all the time. Of course not. You're going to have to go for a doctor's appointment or pick up a kid or whatever the case may be, but we need to have a rough understanding and agreement of when these things are going to happen so we can plan most of the time. Yes. Well, Carrie, I just love all this and like, you know, your philosophy of people first and everything. I feel like it's so important. And I feel like you know, for the audience, the people listening, like most of us are in that stage where we're really growing our first, first teams this is new, like we're, or maybe we have a few team members. So these are really things we can and should be starting to build from the beginning. And if you're at that point, you're listening and you're like, Ooh, I haven't done it yet. Is it still possible? Yes. It's still possible. As like Carrie said, they like, you know, changed everything. They realized there was a problem and they changed things. So you can change things or you can build it up right from the beginning. So it is possible to have this people first workplace to give people what they need to enjoy life and work for you at the same time and enjoy working for you. So thank you so much for sharing all this, Carrie, that you have done to build up your team. So as we go to wrap up today, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. So I live on LinkedIn. You can find me there 100%. Just message me or connect with me or whatever the case may be, and I will get back to you. I love LinkedIn. It is where I hang out business-wise. Uh, you can also go to our website, mkgmarketinginc.com. I have my own podcast, Tea Time for Tech Marketing Leaders. If you're a marketer and you want to get some tips and tricks, there are some amazing people on there who spill the beans 
on all the things of how to do marketing and it's brilliant. Um, just the people I've had on have just been amazed and delighted and awestruck. Yeah, so those are really the two best places to find me, LinkedIn and the website. Great, and of course, we'll be sharing all those links uh, in the full notes at growingyourteam.com. Okay, final question that I love to ask all my guests. So we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have either worked with or have been associated with. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? I worked with this person. Um, he was my very first, I guess technically he was my second manager. And we were at Universal Mechanic together. It was my first job. And I was uh, an assistant, right? So low man's bottom pole. And I was used to working in a hierarchy. So we go me and then a, a senior and then a supervisor. Well, a senior was just promoted to a supervisor and he, and he didn't have anybody between him and me. He was so used to working with me as a senior that he didn't even think that he needed somebody between us. And he did. And it was just the two of us. And we walked into a client meeting after doing this big presentation and we tanked. Like it just tanked. And so at like eight o'clock at night, I walked into my manager's office in tears. I'm 22 years old in New York City, walking into my manager's office at eight o'clock at night in tears. It's like not a good state of where you want to be, right? And I just wanted him to know like what had happened and why I felt like I wasn't supported. And he was like, nope, I totally already have, I, I saw what happened. I, I could have stopped it. I didn't want to. I wanted him to learn that he really does need this. And sometimes you have to fail to figure out how to do better next time. And so partially on me for not having, you know, told him to go do this thing, but also, you know, I saw it coming and I do not put any of the fall on you. You're good to go. Is so pinnacle in that moment for me because he was so people first. He was so people first. He wasn't like, get it together. Stop crying. Like, it's not your fault. Move on. He was like, yep, you're totally right. It's all good. Like, I got you. And it was just like, oh, okay. I can move on with my life now. But it, just having that compassion for a moment really, I think, instilled a lot of, of the people first element that I'm able to bring to the table even now because of that very first interaction with a manager so long ago. Yeah, like very impactful. And yeah, and if you think about it in most typical situations, what would you be expecting when you walk in there for them to be mad, upset, the presentation tanks, like, you know, it doesn't matter that you didn't have the right people. You should have been able to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the conversation wasn't like that and the leader taking ownership of, yep, you know, we were wanted to figure this out, like needed to test things out, like, you know, let things happen, let people learn making mistakes is okay because it's how we're going to do better next time. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us on the growing your team podcast. It was such a pleasure talking with you today. It was so good to meet you. Thank you, Jamie, for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the growing your team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. 
I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.